Hello, my name is Dylan Maddox, and I am the host of this new Conducting Leadership podcast, Changing Your Pattern. I thought before we start hearing from some really amazing guests, we should first talk about the podcast's why, and and maybe my why, uh, especially when it comes to this first season. Some people who listen to this podcast will know that I'm a conductor, and I also host another podcast called The Band Room, uh, which I host with composer Kate Nishimura. I tell you this because some of my why and the podcast's why might be of no surprise to you. I have had an interest in leadership and leadership study for a long time. Why do conductors and teachers differ so greatly in their rehearsal methods and teaching methods? What inspired leaders to lead the way that they lead? I went through public school music programs that had teachers with both high standards and a belief that it is important that these standards not come at the expense of the well-being of the musicians in the group. We rehearsed daily, we attended competitions and festivals, and hey, we did pretty good. And we met after class to improve our craft. But I quickly realized once leaving the public school system and going to study music at university and becoming a professional musician, that not all conductors and music educators thought like the ones with whom I had studied. Many conductors I worked with led through fear, either fear that they would be perceived as unsuccessful by their peers, instilling in their students a fear of not achieving musical perfection, or maybe a combination of those two things. While these approaches often led to improved musical and technical results, it was at the expense of the ensemble members' well-being. Repeatedly watching those in power berate musicians led me to wonder how conductors might achieve high musical standards while simultaneously caring about the ensemble members' needs, growth, and well-being. This is what inspired my recently finished doctoral research at Arizona State University. Maybe like most grad students, my idea started bigger than the world itself, and it was this idea of talking about a not-so-small subject of how we define success as wind conductors. But I noticed in myself I was more interested in the negative aspects of our profession. I mean, I, I truly wanted to blow the whole thing up and start over. And I seemed to be less concerned with how I could positively add to the structure that I live in. During this time, I was introduced to Robert K. Greenleaf's servant leadership model. And I had one of those moments where I told myself, where has this been my whole life? It, It kind of fit who I thought I was as a leader perfectly. And very briefly, servant leadership is a leadership model founded by Robert K. Greenleaf, and it emphasizes the leader's responsibility to serve and empower their followers rather than the leader's authority or control over them. While this approach has been widely studied in various organizational settings, its application to the area of music and what we do, specifically large ensemble conducting, remains relatively unexplored. So with that, I decided to write my dissertation on servant leadership entitled The Servant Conductor, a case study examining servant leadership characteristics in large ensemble conductors. How's that for a mouthful? 
as a way of exploring how I might best apply these principles of servant leadership to my own conducting pedagogy. I interviewed six conductors whose groups perform at a high level, but who also place a premium on the needs, happiness, and empowerment of the musicians in their groups. I also surveyed published literature on the topics of conductor leadership philosophy in North America and servant leadership principles, specifically the work of Robert K. Greenleaf. And it's my hope that through my research and through the conversations you'll hear on this podcast, that we see attaining high musical standards does not require a leadership model devoid of empathy, care, and understanding for ensemble members. Moreover, it is possible to apply these nurturing characteristics to large ensemble conducting leadership philosophies while still giving honest and direct feedback to ensemble members. So the interviews that you'll hear this season of Changing Your Pattern are the interviews that I actually used for my research with the same questions being asked of all interviewees, questions centered around the idea of servant leadership. And it's my hope that future seasons of this podcast will, you know, maybe have more general discussions of conducting leadership. I invited interviewees based on either a word of mouth from respected members of our profession or because I had personally observed them collaborating with ensembles. This included their outstanding record of performance, evidence of innovative concert presentations, and reputations within the profession as student-centered educators. And you'll get to hear from some pretty spectacular people, including Dr. Robert Taylor, Director of Bands and Chair of Wind, Brass and Percussion Studies at the University of British Columbia, Dr. Jody Blackshaw, Composer and Educator Extraordinaire, Jonathan Grantham, Director of Bands at Amador Valley High School in Pleasanton, California, Dr. Ramona Wiss, Director of Choral Activities at Northern Central College in Naperville, Illinois, and actually uh, a servant leadership and conducting expert and uh, the author of the book, The Conductor as Leader, Colin Clark, Artistic Director of the Toronto Youth Wind Orchestra, and Dr. Matthew Rao, Chair of Music Education and Associate Director of Bands at Lawrence University, as well as author of Upbeat Leadership. It has been pretty amazing to hear the thoughts from these conductors, educators, and leaders, and how the patterns and through lines from our conversations that begin to show the possibility of serving our ensemble members, giving them agency in rehearsals to be artists, achieve high standards, and help everyone grow as people beyond their musical development. For the purpose of this season, I think it's important that we have a strong understanding of what and where this idea of servant leadership came from. Servant leadership was a term coined by Robert K. Greenleaf in 1970, and it's a non-traditional leadership philosophy that outlines a set of behaviors and practices that place the primary emphasis of leadership on the well-being of those being served by any given leader. Servant leadership has become increasingly popular over the last two decades and has led many organizations and institutions to further research and adopt servant leadership principles within their own structures. Servant leadership has been researched qualitatively and quantitatively across many different fields and areas, including business, athletics, and politics. However, there have been very few studies that have examined servant leadership in the context of music education and conducting philosophy. 
Principles of servant leadership can be traced back to the writings of Aristotle and Confucius. The modern idea of servant leadership, outlined in Greenleaf's essay, The Servant as Leader, suggests that a good leader is a servant first. Begin with a natural feeling that one wants to serve, to serve first. He coined the servant leadership theory after 38 years working in the corporate world as director of management development at AT AT&T from 1921 to 1964. And while working at AT AT&T and observing other organizations, Greenleaf took note of managers who put the needs of their followers above their own, supporting and empowering their followers and demonstrating follower-centered leadership principles. They were highly successful in nurturing their followers as people, as well as succeeding organizationally. Greenleaf was also inspired by reading Herman Hesse's Journey to the East. In this story, a band of men are on a mythical journey. The center figure of the story is Leo, who accompanies the party as their servant, who does their menial chores but who also sustains them with his spirit. He is a person of extraordinary presence. All goes well until Leo disappears. Then the group falls into disarray and the journey is abandoned. They cannot make it without the servant Leo. The narrator, who is one of the party, after some years of wandering, finds Leo and is taken into the order that sponsored the journey. There he discovers that Leo, whom he had known as servant, was in fact the head of the order, its guiding spirit, a great and noble leader. Greenleaf retired in 1964, deciding to focus on a new career as a teacher, writer, and consultant to many organizations and academic institutions, including the Ford Foundation, Ohio University, the R.K. Mellon Foundation, MIT, and the American Foundation for Management Research. Also during this time, Greenleaf founded the Center for Applied Ethics, which was renamed the Robert K. Greenleaf Center in 1985. In the years following the release of his essay, Greenleaf went on to write two books on how servant leadership principles could influence organizations and could be applied socially. Greenleaf sold millions of copies of books and other written materials over the years and made a deep and long-standing impact with the world of organizational leadership and scholarship. The simple idea of putting followers first is an essential principle to many modern leadership methodologies. So what makes servant leadership so different? One of those ideas that makes it different from other styles is going beyond one's self-interest and the leader's genuine concern of serving their followers. An inner calling to serve is what drives the servant leader rather than leading because it's their occupation. This attitude allows the servant leader to be part of the process, guiding their followers as they grow professionally and as individuals. A servant leader is dedicated to creating a positive learning environment, stewarding trust within an organization, and committed to the growth of their followers. Larry Spears, a colleague and protege of Robert Greenleaf, highlights servant leadership does not come from a specific manual or detailed implementation rules. He notes, this is not a straightforward management philosophy. There are no 14 points to follow. Instead, trustees must reflect upon their philosophies and behavior and have ongoing discussions. 
This lack of definition is something Greenleaf did purposefully, allowing leaders the opportunity to look inwardly, reflect, and grow while being directed by the ideas and principles of servant leadership. Rather than creating an assessment tool that measures a servant leader's effectiveness, Greenleaf created questions for leaders to ask themselves and followers to ask of their leaders. These questions should inform how successful a servant leader is. And Greenleaf's questions are as follows. Do those served grow as persons? Do they, while being served, become healthier, wiser, freer, more autonomous, and more likely themselves to become servants? What is the effect on the least privileged of society? Will they benefit or at least not further be deprived? This form of assessment shows that servant leadership is an other-centered leadership philosophy, meaning that it benefits the follower and greater community as its main goal. Servant leadership is not so much a switch that leaders can turn on and off, but rather a way of life. The way a servant leader chooses to lead reflects the person they truly are. And another one of Greenleaf's colleagues and protégés was that of James Autry. And he states, you can't separate the way you behave when you're communicating with your spouse from the way that you communicate with your coworkers or boss. It's important to be the same person all day, every day. Being yourself at work and at home is a main concern of the servant leader. They keep servant leadership principles close to their heart and allow them to guide them as they grow and evolve as a person and as a professional. A true servant leader is wired to first help others. That wiring results in their own fulfillment as well as the empowerment of the people they are helping. The idea of servant leadership as it's applied to conducting has not been explored that much, but it has been explored. And here's just a couple of examples, one of which is one of the interviews that you'll hear from Dr. Ramona Wiss, who is Director of Choral Activities at Northern Central College. She was one of the first to explore the idea of conductor as servant. Wiss explains the servant conductor is an individual that has a calling to serve others before themselves. Their responsiveness to musicians' needs goes beyond the musician and requires the conductor to look inwardly. Believing that musicians can perform and achieve goals creates an environment of trust. It also empowers them to create ownership of their learning and makes them accountable to themselves and the people they are collaborating with, rather than demand results such as musical perfection through authoritative power structures. Another person is Dr. Andrew Traxel, Professor of Wind Studies and Chair of the Division of Conducting and Ensembles at the University of North Texas. And he applies servant leadership attributes to his conducting leadership philosophy. Traxel speaks about the conductor not having any power in the beginning. And any power that the conductor does possess is connected to how much the musicians are empowered. He goes on to say a servant conductor not only serves the musicians, but the music itself, fostering a collaborative rehearsal experience. So there you go. That's enough of me kind of reciting my literature review for you. Uh, I hope this little intro episode helps us all as we explore conversations about servant leadership and leadership in general in this season. 
If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and share with people you think would benefit from listening. And that was a trick request. Everyone will benefit from listening. So please just share it. Share the podcast. I look forward to exploring and growing with you this season. And thanks so much for listening to this first ever episode of Changing Your Pattern. If you want to learn about anything we discussed in today's episode, check out the links found on our website, changingyourpattern.com. If you liked what you heard, make sure to subscribe, give the podcast a rating and a review, and tell your friends how much you enjoyed it. Follow CYP on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to keep up with what's on the go. If you have any thoughts on today's episode, please leave us a comment on our website. Changing Your Patterns theme music is Chasing Sunlight, composed by Kate Nishimura, arranged and performed by Brian Barber. Thanks again for listening and see you next time on Changing Your Pattern.